This morning I am coming to you live from the Canal de Moudi, and that would be in the south of France. I am with my Aunt Karen and Uncle Paul Nelson. Good morning, Uncle Paul. Bonjour, Stephanie. Bonjour. Bonjour, Lydie. Huh? It has been a fun trip so far. We've been actually on the road traveling for seven days. We all started out and met in Paris, and we went to the Musée d'Orsay, which is sort of like the equivalent of a modern-day museum, I guess, would you say? Yes, and like uh, you followed directions well, you immediately went to the top floor where all the famous yes. impressionists are. Maybe you might want to say something about who your favorite impressionist was. I Well, I think I like Van Gogh a lot because I've been to his place in Amsterdam, which is a really beautiful museum. Um, they had his portrait here, which is a picture that I like a lot. I just think uh, the whole story about him cutting off his ear, we got to see the village where he was living in when he supposedly cut off his ear after a fight, a drunken fight with his compatriot Paul Gauguin. I didn't know that the two of them were together the night that he cut off his ear. Yes, they yes yes they were. And uh, one of the reasons why he did come down here as a painter was to change the style in which he painted. He uh, began using extremely bright colors and extremely impressionistic types of strokes. And so one of his most famous thing, if you've never seen it, is the Haystack Group because uh, it's a brilliant collection of uh, of Van Gogh paintings. Uh, uh, I like Gauguin, that as you know, left. And Gauguin left, and he went actually to the South Seas and painted. So they were very unique people in France at that point in time. Yeah, and one of the things that we did when we were in Paris was we went to the Brasserie Lip, and also the, what was it, Café Flore and the Tres Majeaux, which is the three uh, magicians. It's a it's the literary three, the liter- literary three restaurants that are, are together. The Brasserie Lip is famous because that's where Hemingway wrote Movable Feast, which was a story about, uh, uh, literally about eating his way through Paris. And it was on his, uh, when he received his first check from his first novelette that he had sold to a German publisher, he came back and the first thing he did was have a cold beer and cold potato salad and he wrote three pages about it pretty crazy that's funny i i think i'm pretty sure stephanie march has read the movable feast i haven't but after listening to you talk about it i feel like i should so we at some point left paris we had a really a couple of nice dinners in paris we went to was it was la la tour the place with the um seafood tower la lorraine okay la lorraine was the uh tower where we had a royal plateau de, de mer, which is a th- uh, usually a large plate or three large plates of fresh seafood, which included anything from langoustines, lobsters to, I, you call them whelks. And what's the other thing? That you okay, like so there were two things that I'd never seen before that were really fun. Whelks and winkles. And the winkles were very small snail shells small like I mean like the size of a dime or smaller that you picked out the meat with this little like pin and it wasn't cooked but it kind of tasted like a really small escargot 
it was a lot of work for work to meat ratio, but it was pretty fun. And they tasted like the sea. And then the other thing they had was a whelk. And the whelks were larger shells, probably like one to two inches uh, in height and about an inch wide. And inside that, you picked out the snail, which was also um, raw. Raw. I was going to say alive. Absolutely. I guess. Is it alive? Absolutely. No, it is alive. But uh, it, it, instead of calling it a whelk, which is the English word for it, it sounds much tastier if you call it a bulot. Doesn't that sound tastier than that? But it is a raw, large snail. Is it different than a cockle? With mayonnaise. Because uh, I feel like maybe that a cockle is similar. A cockle could be it. So, you know, what? what is, I don't know the kid's version of a cockle. So, you know, <laughs> what can you say? We have the whelks and the winkles. But yes. the Welks, I ate about five of them, actually. It was chewy, kind of like an eraser, but salty. It had a nice texture to it, believe it or not. It wasn't, like, slimy. It was literally like eating a actual escargot in the texture. You would have thought, like, if you just picked a, something out of a shell and ate it, it would be like a soft mollusk, like a oyster, but it was firmer yes. than that. And that brings up a good segue to all the oysters we had. We had over yes. uh, probably 20 oysters and uh, all of them were from the Normandy section so that when you ate an oyster, you actually had part of the part of the ocean, which was just incredible because the sea salt is kept fresh. Normally they bring that those things in a train four times a day from the uh, Normandy and Brittany areas into the restaurants into Paris, which is kind of fascinating. But truly when they pop those things open, they are fresh, fresh, fresh. I want to mention um, one other place that we went, which was, I just want to mention the flowers, because every uh, garden and every museum that you go to in Paris is just loaded with flowers, absolutely. lots of roses. The Rodin Museum, where the thinker is loaded uh, in the courtyard, you get just these old roses that have been there for forever, and they have a smell that hasn't been bred out of them because they're so old, and they're just these gigantic rose flowers with these beautiful scents. That's been honestly one of the highlights everywhere we've gone is just the beautiful flowers even along the canals there are flowers in every town and there are tons of wildflowers and poppies along the way Let's give a shout out to George Sancto, which is a very, very famous hotel uh, located in Paris, um, where they change the flowers literally oh, every yeah. 10 days. And it's just absolutely stunning. It's one of my favorite stops when we're in Paris, just to go into the hotel and have a drink and just and it's right sit by, there and absorb them. It's so, right by the Eiffel Tower. How much do you think it is to spend the night there? I would say the cheapest room would be 500 to $600. And they go up because princes, princes and kings from all of the world stay there so it probably goes up to who knows fifty sixty thousand dollars a uh, for the uh, fancy a suite penthouse, for the yeah. penthouses up on the top it's a four seasons hotel but it's absolutely stunning if you're ever in paris you should just walk in have a drink that's what we did there was a piano bar and it is um, May. It's May like 29th, I guess, when we're recording this. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of peonies, and they were all this sort of Pink. beautiful salmon pink. Salmon, yeah, yeah, really, really pretty. Just stunning. And then they had this other, they had a wall of orchids. And, you know, orchids have the drier root system so they can grow in the air, as it were. Ah. So they were all strung together with wire, and they formed this long, shaggy, orchid curtain of roots 
and it was very, very cool looking. Covering their entire lobby, and the lobby is huge, so that made it even more interesting. So, yes. All right. So from there, we actually got on the boat. We got on the boat and went to Carcassonne, which was our first stop, right? That was Well, we stopped in Bordeaux and took the TGV, which in itself is a lot of oh, fun. Oh, yeah, that was the it train. Goes 200 miles an hour, and you don't even know you're, you're moving. It's, a, it's something that maybe the United States should look at for public transportation because it was incredible. It was incredible an and very relaxing. We were mm-hmm. on that train for like six hours, but it was super comfortable. Yes, and then we did one transfer, which was really easy, and uh, we ended up in Carcassonne, which is a, a a Qatar castle city. Qatars were actually Catholics, but they were Catholics that didn't believe in all the things that the uh, Roman Catholic Church believed in, so they ran into a little bit of problem during the, during, uh, the uh, Middle Ages with the Crusaders and everybody because yeah. they were sponsored by the popes. There are a lot of uh, incidents of the crusade happening along the banks everywhere, here. Yeah. Everywhere, yes. Like the, you can just imagine the armies sort of moving south and killing everybody as they went in the name of religion. But that's a whole other yeah. podcast, well, isn't it? Yeah. But where, but where we're sit, where we're sitting right now is amazing because this was uh, actually settled uh, originally by the Greeks, and then the Romans came and they built a great big, huge two mile uh, walkway to get the bring their trade groups into Spain. Then it traded off to the Italians and. Then then it went to the French, and it went to the Germans, and then back to the French. And so it's a fascinating area where many, many, many cultures have clashed and also stayed because of the beautiful weather and the beautiful scenery and the wonderful uh, ground that's around here. Yeah, because it's very fertile. And when you're when you're in the boat or on a bike, you're driving by just tons of vineyards. I think it's wine, Stephanie. Isn't yeah, it wine? Vineyards. Isn't isn't <laughs> we haven't seen any corn? We haven't seen no. any wheat. I think it's all about all wine right. down here. That let's, makes it easier to look at. Let's talk about the dinner that we had the night of my birthday because that ah, was a special place that hap- we went. Happy post-birthday. I think Thank you're you. just waking up, aren't you? No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cite de Ville de, de, de uh, uh, Carcassonne. It's, it's actually up the castle. It's, a, it's, a, it's the hotel that's up in the, the uh, castle area, uh, right in the middle of the castle. And uh, we... It is a uh, Michelin one-star restaurant and has a very famous chef there. And uh, why don't you just kind of preview it? started out with the amuse-bouche, and I think the one that I liked the best, it was like hollowed-out potato in the form of like a canopy wrapper. Yes. And then inside it was a like a potato mousse. It was just really beautiful and fantastic. delicious. Yeah, it was fantastic. Then there was like this little uh, medallion of goat cheese that was about the size of a nickel that had a perfectly placed little green heart of like a clover but it wasn't a clover i don't know what it was and then it was on a chicharron so it was like this crispy bite with the melty delicious creamy cheese Absolutely. and it was just pretty and it felt fit like right in the palm of your hand it was super little yeah. and your in your uh, listeners might be interesting here a musée bouche is french and really what it means is is to amuse your mouth and what it's supposed to do is wake up your mouth so that you're ready for the next meal and for the not the next meal but the next course uh, and that's the fascinating thing about it is uh, they give you these wonderful little bites of food so that we can uh, go move on to the next course. Which I loved. And the next course was I had a seasonal vegetables, which was just like artichokes and a lot of white asparagus is in season right now. And it had just a little jus. Yeah, and I had I had the uh, white asparagus, which are huge, don't you think? It's yes. amazing that they're huge. And then with some Highlandaise sauce on top of it. And it was, it was fabulous because they make it perfect every time, so... 
then I moved on to, I had lobster that was um, in like a cream, a saffron cream sauce. And it had some zoodles that were made out of vegetables. And then these little Parmesan crisps in this row of zoodle That was a very nest. unique presentation, wasn't yeah. it, for the lobster? So. And what they did was they cooked it. He actually poached it inside like a La Crusade that had been sealed with bread. And that's something that you don't see very often. It's a very traditional French technique that seals in the moisture when they're cooking it. Yes. And then they crack off the bread off the outside of the cauldron, as it were, and lift it off, and the steam escapes, and there is your perfectly and, poached fish. And there is your, yes, and it was. It was perfectly, very po- perfectly poached uh, lobsters on that. And so I had a piece of uh, tenderloin de Charlet, which is a type of a cow, uh, extremely tender. Uh, they had wrapped it, actually, they had wrapped it with uh, with some kind of vegetable to hold it together, but in the middle of it, we had foie gras. Oh, I didn't so know the combination, there was foie gras in yeah, the middle. So with, with between the whole thing, it was just fantastic because you had a bite of foie gras, uh, which which is which is basically liver pate, and you had it with the uh, the meat, which was perfectly done. And they have a tendency in France to do their meats blue. Blue means that it's almost raw, but in this case, it was perfect to have it a little bit on the raw side because it was an extremely tender tenderloin. Yeah, and we're talking small too. Remember that when you're in France, it's all about the quality of the food, not the quantity of the food. So if you sit down and think you're going to get a giant steak, no, you're going to get a small tenderloin, but the tenderloin is going to be prepared perfectly with the flavors and the different sauces. Oh, and I did have a wonderful horseradish sauce, a Rayfort sauce on top of it, which was incredible. Yeah. We had uh, a bottle of uh, Tadege Pink Rosé Brut Bubbles, which was excellent. Yes. <laughs> then we had... Uh, a bottle of wine that was one you introduced me to that was the second bottle of wine that was the really golden colored wine. The, the uh, um, I'm trying to think which one we had at that point in time. Do you was, remember the name? It was one that has a very oaky flavor. It was a really uh, Chardonnay grape. It was a Chardonnay. It was the Chardonnay grape. It was not the Sancerre. No. Oh, I know. It was actually a Burgundy white. Okay. And it was a Burgundy white uh, with a Chardonnay grape. It's a little bit more complex. It has a, it, they do they do keep it in oak, and so it makes it a little bit buttery, but not as buttery as, let's say, a Napa oak Chardonnay. When people say buttery, what do they mean by that? Buttery, it means that when you, it's it's from the oak, and what happens from the oak is you get a little bit of a smoky taste from it, but also what you get from it is it's almost like a slippery taste in your mouth, similar to like if you just taste olive oil. Yeah, it has like a viscosity to it. Or if you like just a put a little, pit, a little viscosity to it, so it's a little bit thicker, but it does have that butter, butter flavor in the background. But not intense. It's just slightly there. American o- oaky uh, Chardonnays and uh, Sauvignon Blancs, actually, they're very, very buttery. But in France, they tend to keep it down, tamp it down, keep it to a just a nice, nice taste, which is fresh and crisp. All right. Well, I think we'll talk about the desserts, and then we'll leave it here and come back in a couple days and okay. catch you up with our latest adventures. Okay. The desserts that day, I just think they're memorable because what I love in France is, it, and I don't know if all the restaurants haven't done this, but this particular restaurant we got our dessert but then they brought the like after dessert which was four more desserts that were all a little bit different like little bite-sized tartlets and little um it was like a mousse bomb that had white chocolate on the outside and 
an emily fouillé, which is a yes. which is a cream with very very light pastry, and it was layered to about oh eight or nine layers. That sounds like it's really huge, but no, the layers are so thin that it was only maybe three inches tall at the most. But the cream inside was just superb, like a chantilly cream. And each just, layer of the emile fouillé is uh, one sheet of puff pastry, so it's just like yes. thin, thin, thin. Yes, it was in, it was incredible. One thing we have missed that we have to try to search maybe out in the next couple of days is some of the homemade sorbets that they make in this country. Yes, because I've taste, only had ice cream once. Yeah, because the sorbets in France taste exactly like they say. If they say it's a pear, it's a pear. If they say it's a peach, it's a peach. All right. So, I'm looking forward to that. And we will catch you up in a couple days on another installment of okay. Second Helpings with the Weekly Dish. Thanks for being my guest, Paul. A bientôt.